Um, have you got uh, your checklist, by the way? Yeah, everything. No, I, we're recording now. It's too late for checklists. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Everything's working then. Perfect. May, uh, the time to ask for a checklist check is before we right. <laughs> record. <laughs> it just Do you not agree, Fred? I mean, he could have asked uh, five minutes ago if you gone through your checklist, but he didn't. Yeah. He waited until no, the know. very last I, second. I'm sorry. I just, my mind started wandering to being a young boy and collecting hockey cards and baseball cards. And remember, one of the cards you would get would be a checklist. It would have all the cards in the series, and you could literally just go on and tick each one that you had. It was a checklist. Oh, really? my boyhood. My boyhood. Aww. Did you get them all? Oh, quite often. Yes. That's quite the um, mm-hmm. That's quite the initial trip down memory lane. Yeah. Speaking of memories, why am I playing this? Let's see if you can guess. Why are we uh, looking back? All right. At a pretty interesting moment in Canadian musical history happened about six years ago. And here's your hint. Well, I know. Well, just say it then. What was the last Tragically Hip concert? Yeah, Kingston. In Kingston. Uh, I think it was a year, uh, six years ago. It might have been Friday or Saturday, but it was this past weekend. Um... More memories. Uh, buddy Darren, who's been on the show, and Lori, they hosted a party at their place, and they put a big screen up in the uh, in the yard in front of the cottage. Like, huge. <clears throat> like six years ago, yeah. And uh, everybody from the park and some other people came over. We all gathered on the lawn and watched it on the big screen, and they served some food. You know what they served? A tragically hip of beef. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because they're the tragically yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Were, you there, Were you no, there, Dan? No, no. No, I was at my brother's place in uh, uh, Mabel Lake in British Columbia at that particular time point in time. Wow! But it was uh, it was bittersweet. It was fun to see the concert and be in that environment. But you knew the guy was dying, so that can put a damper on things, right? Yeah, it can. It can turn a. <laughs> it can turn a, <laughs> can turn a, a party, party sour. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I saw some footage from the uh, the final moment where they're on stage and they're lifting Gord's arms in the air and everyone's cheering. And that's what I thought. I thought I didn't say the words bittersweet to myself, but I thought this is kind of a sad, sweet moment that, you know, mm-hmm. he knows. And we all know we're all cheering by Gord. They literally are saying by yeah. Gord. Have a nice death. Yeah, that's what people say then when you're dying. Oh, that's good. When I was uh, down in Baltimore, most of the guys that I interacted with in Baltimore were all from the Buffalo area, Lewiston, New York, Buffalo. Uh, John moved down there, John Ellison. He was from the Lewiston, Buffalo area, as I've told you. And it's just funny how they find each other. They're all Buffalo Bill fans. But I'll tell you, tragically hip fans, like absolutely crazy. Like just nuts. And we had that conversation. What a tragedy that was. How much... How talented the band was, how popular they were, how they were iconic Canadian, and so many American border people love them, and then just have that guy taken at 51 years old. It's Is that it's, what he was? Yeah, it's beyond sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I uh, follow the band on uh, TikTok. And they don't, you know, they don't have a oh, huge... Really? Yeah, they don't have a huge following, but they put up some posts. Um, who's the guitar player? The long-haired guy. 
I'm sorry. Bob Baker. Yeah. He puts up some, it's pretty interesting because one of the things of, uh, one of the TikTok bits is that people will duet. So he yes. puts up him playing songs mm-hmm. with people singing the Gord Downey part while right. he plays the acoustic version. It's pretty interesting. But uh, I haven't checked in on it this weekend, but I imagine they're putting up some. Uh, I an insider, and I won't name him because I think he said don't say anything, or he said it, or whatever. He or she, he or she, he said or it. she, or you know, protect or, or they, or they, they or he, they. she, or they, they, them, they. That they're considering. It's been proposed a concert where the band plays, and then other high-profile Canadians sing the songs. Sort of like concert for George. Remember mm-hmm. that type of thing, which I think would be fantastic, but they don't want to do it unless like apparently Justin Bieber does a great Wheat Kings. And well, you can go right down the line, Gord, uh, you know, Burton Cummings on and on and on. But uh, that is something they've thought about. But the band is very reluctant to make that move at this point. But I think it would be nice. Do you I think, think it's so, time too. Yet? Well, I don't know. I was going to say they've got a they're in a weird place because they're still young enough the other members of the band that, you know, so if he was 51, they're all in their mid to f- late 50s now. They'd be young enough that, you know, like I just saw our friend Tom Cochran is out on tour playing some nice shows and he's older than you are. So imagine the hip would have had, you know, 10 or 15 more years of traveling the country and playing, you know, shows at, you know, different venues. And so my point is, Maybe those guys are looking for a chance to go back out or to perform again yeah. because they're still pretty young guys. Sure. Absolutely. You make a good point. You know who else is a huge uh, Tragically Hip fan? Who's that? Our uh, Gig Sky guest of the day today. Huge oh, fan. Is he really? Yeah, I, that's, oh. It's interesting. I, 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 I think it might have been Noel Kassler because I follow him on Twitter. And when he, I think he may have taken a break from ranting about Trump, which, you know, is why we have him on the show. Mm-hmm. But I think he took a break. I, I saw a post, he remembering it was six years ago, and uh, a nice shot of Gord Downing and saying that Gord Downey was one of his heroes. Mm-hmm. So maybe when we get him on the show today, we can start with that and then, you know, segue into the end times that we're all living through. <laughs> and by the way, to that point, did you listen to the latest... Uh, podcast what? that dan duran shared with us all i'm assuming you uh, shared no it not you. yet no not yet no dan did you see my comment <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> didn't surprise me well but but it's literally 10 minutes into this uh podcast that dan shared with us it's from the lincoln project and it's a guy you know talking about the current situation in the states and and how it all began and and now you can maybe get a perspective and i'm just Switching to serious for a second, Dan, you can sort of understand why, number one, religion is ridiculous. And number two, why there's, you know, a little bit of, you know, I don't know what it is, awareness of anti-Semitism because it's there. It's, it's at the basics, a basis, I mean, of all their their It's part of what they hate. <laughs> I wrote down a note. Well, it turns out everyone hates the Jews. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's not a surprise to me. I mean, you know. But that's what religion does, Dan. It turns people against each other and other religions. So just stop it now. Cash it in. Okay. Did All you, right. <laughs> on that point, and that's a good point, and, uh, you know, CNN is 
Did you see they've got a special coming up about anti the the rise and the concern over an, an, anti semitism uh, in the United States? So look for that. I see it promoted all the time in Brampton. I think when I was away down at Baltimore. This Indian guy, I think he was Punjabi, he's a real estate agent, 37 years old, and he has a podcast as well, and that deals with Indian politics. And he's the guy that came out of his house that morning, and the guys rushed him with machetes and axes and started to chop him to pieces. And you know that that, that incident, I'm sure, was over religious and political issues. Guarantee it. It hasn't come out yet, but what else would it? He's got this podcast, you know, where I guess he gives his side of his perspective on Indian politics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so right there on the street, a street, a residential street in Brampton, not far from he, where kids could be out playing and witness this. They're actually chopping him with machetes. Mm. What, 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 what possibly could be that important? <laughs> yeah, I, and all because of some words in a yeah. book, as I always yes. say, words in a book <clears throat> written by human beings... Mm-hmm. That had no idea why the sun came out every day. This is where we're getting our best religious information from. Dan, yeah. it's time to get out of the casino, <laughs> cash in the chips, say goodbye oh, to boy. Jesus. The whole thing's ridiculous. Wait a second. So wait, I, I'm just trying to understand. what. So the, your point, Fred, is that I should watch that I don't walk out the door one day and I get pet, pelted with gefilte fish. Yeah, whatever. People start Something. trying to <laughs> coming at me with a, a deli, uh, uh, one of those deli saws. Uh, what is that thing? <laughs> the thing that cuts meat? <laughs> Try and chop me up. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'll tell you where we're at now. I mean, when it comes to religion, you better watch what you say. Oh yeah. You don't know who's listening or who's going to react in 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 a, a certain way. I mean, that's just flat out reality. But listen, by the way, I was just going to say that that podcast that we were talking about wasn't about specifically what? Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't specifically about. No, no, it wasn't. uh, It was more about QAnon and the the rise of conspiracy theories and how that how people get indoctrinated into that or how America sort of bought into the whole hundred percent. And by the way, yeah, it was the foundation of it, though. It it always it's it's like that's why I wrote you that. No, because I listened to about half of it. Um, maybe three quarters. But in the first 10 minutes, they're laying the foundation of where QAnon, the rise of conspiracy, where it all came from. And the foundation starts with anti-Semitism. But then it morphs into, and it, and it reminded me of something that you and I talked about. I'm sure all three of us have had conversations about it. But the people that believe in this stuff, and we know somebody, and you guys know who I'm talking about, who... You know, someone close to all of us that was sucked into this rabbit hole. And and she fits the profile of people that are drawn into these things, which is, you know, not completely happy with their lives. Always thinks everyone else is, you know, stupid, you know, has dis, you know, distrust authority, you know, and, and et cetera. And, and all of a sudden there's a place they can go. Where other people who have always felt put upon and looked over and et cetera, et cetera, can all gather together and believe in nonsense. You know, all of that anti-vax, you know, it was the rise of the middle class woman, the Facebook moms who started to fuel this QAnon, helped fuel it. Not completely, but you know what I'm talking about, Dan? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And that, and it, but I've, I, that particular podcast on the Lincoln Project was was helpful to me because I've never been able to understand how someone can be so indoctrinated into something that makes no sense to me as a, a bright thinking individual. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I know. And, and you know how the how people I know who who, who have gone down that road could could possibly be there because it doesn't make any sense you know they're those people are smarter than that but you know but they're not if your world view not. is that you've always been jobbed over and uh, other people and then all of a sudden now you've got I'm, I'm, I'm moving on from this person but then and then you think that immigrants are coming to take your lifestyle away etc and pretty soon you believe that jfk jr is still alive huh. right um the only thing that bewilders me about it, Howard, like the intelligence factor of it, <clears throat> like Theron Fleury, he's like, you know, he had a, you know, he had a very troubled youth and you can understand how he's become a whack job. But then again, in that Jamie Salal or Saleh, that figure skater who's become a conspiracy whack job, she's just dumb. But then you got, look, uh, somebody like Richard Surratt or... um that guy that ran the bar- the barter country, uh, company. Um, you would think these are intelligent people, but then you see them like retweeting stuff about Hunter Biden's uh, uh, laptop, laptop having uh, child pornography <laughs> on it. Or the big one for me is denying climate change. What is it with the connection with these people and denying climate change? Too? I, like, I don't get that. Like, why is that part of why is that in the folder? Uh, I don't know. I think it's all part of the same silo of mistrust, distrust, big government, drain the swamp, all those buzzwords. But these are relatively intelligent people. And then you you see uh, like retweets or statements that it's like, well, my that is just so stupid. Where would that come from? What is the point? Do you have some other agenda? Because you're smarter than that. Yeah, but yeah, but there's intelligence. And you, by the way, can everyone just do me a favor, Dan? Turn your just turn your mic off. Just pot yourself down for a second, because I'm getting a. I know what it is. What Hold is on. it? Your fridge? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's his fridge. Because I turned down. I've you noticed I've turned off the air this morning. Yeah, I did notice. Did that, you notice it? Now it gives, it gives room for Fred's fridge. Which we're <laughs> That's for. right. It's like I turned down the air in the studio, so I just wanted to see what it sounded if, if they made a difference. Because I know it it makes a difference to you, Donald. Mm, does yes. and then I could hear Fred's uh, fringe. Uh, yeah. This is just the pre-show, by the way. This fixed. isn't this yeah. isn't the uh, real show. This isn't the the fun part. <laughs> this, the fun part's coming. Um, <laughs> but Fred, uh, you like don't like those people we've talked about. They are intelligent, intelligent, and and but this podcast, deliberate. We should uh, let everyone know it's the uh, Lincoln Project, and I think it's titled Daniel. Uh, what is it titled? Uh, you got me on the spot. Well, you, you figure that out. So here's the connection I'll make. You can be intelligent because the person I was referring to uh, in our circle that got sucked into it, and, and she did, she's not dumb, but there's an emotional personality type. And those people that you mentioned fall into the category of, you know, Having been, you know, they, they big government, the, the man's taken over our world. And that's why climate change. They don't believe that, you know, that's a conspiracy. And, and the great thing about this uh, podcast that Dan uh, has shared with us and we're going to share with you 
is it kind of lays, lays the foundation as to how somebody with a brain, because one of the people, the, the class of people, the, the Facebook moms, were the ones that really sort of threw in with it because, you know, they're, you know, and again, an a, older women. And I said this to you guys months ago. It was older women. Empty nesters. They got much. They don't have as much to do, and they sort of congregate on the internet and exchange these cockamamie ideas because it makes them feel like they belong to something, and they're full of hate. Some of them are. It's not all. Yeah, yeah it's not all hate driven, but they're full of distrust, which a lot and a lot of them are full of hate. And where it comes from, again, it's holding on to what they have, not losing. Yeah. The America that they grew up with. Yeah, well. White America. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I want to... With I, a I, dash I, of fear. You throw a little yeah, dash there's some of fear. fear in there. Absolutely. Dan's right. There's yeah. some fear in there. Again, I said that a long time ago. These are very afraid people. Those people you mentioned, they fear a lot of stuff. Yeah. They distrust. And distrust is fear. Um, Dan and the I... The guest is, is Mike Rothschild, and he, he's also written a book about this called uh, The Storm is Upon Us. Yes. How QAnon Became a Movement, Cult, and Conspiracy Theory of Everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good book. The Storm is Among Us. And he started writing about this in 2018. Yeah. Started following it. And uh, it's quite fascinating. So the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Let's get, well, we, what you, remember, we've got this, an entire 40 oh, no, minutes I know, coming. I just want to make this point. And a guy we know, the, one of the first things he posts is, yeah, but what about Hunter's, Hunter Biden's laptop? Yeah. It had kitty porn on it, which I think was number one discounted. Number two... Hunter Biden is the son of the president. He's not the president who had, you know, top secret stuff at his. The point being, what kind of a pinhead are you that you immediately make that leap? That what Trump may have done and put the security of the whole country at risk is on the same level as this Hunter Biden laptop thing that's drifting out there somewhere, which is which if it's true, then nail his ass. I yeah, totally get right. that. Yeah. And then but at the same time, that's your reaction. It's, uh, yeah. Again, well, let's save this because this yeah. is all coming. And, and I would also mm-hmm. counter. How is it that that Jared Kushner was given two billion dollars from the Saudis? How come they're not talking about that? I got a right. bunch of those. Hey, y- yes. one other thing. Yes. While I think of it. OK. And I don't know. I think it was the New York Times or somebody reviewed his new book. Yeah. And uh, the line was reading this book is like watching a dog lick at a cat's eye goo. <laughs> that's funny that's what he said i pissed my pants when i read that. that's really funny well you know what why don't we then take this opportunity on a on an up notes because you know uh it's not time to get serious completely but it is time to get a little bit serious humble and fred are back and we're not taking any vacation again for a short uh amount of time <laughs> Uh, but we For are back. Week, at least a week, we, we're yeah. doing three days in a row this week. Just be happy you have it, okay? <laughs> this episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto and from studio trailers on the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake and is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and Health Gauge. And now, here are two men who would pay money to have their Mar Largos searched. It's Humble and Fred. <laughs> That's right. Hey, hey, make sure you get uh, right down by my Alargo. <laughs> yeah, you know it. You know it. Hi, everybody. 
Uh, yeah, we're back for a while. I'm going to find out this week if I get into the Canadian Senior Amateur in Red Deer, Alberta. It's a long shot, but if I get in, that'll be like one week in September. If not, uh, we're here until uh, somewhere in October, I think is the next time. Uh, Dan Duran was uh, staying with me last week. What a joy that was. Uh, Dan Duran and I reunited his roommates. Yeah. Uh, a long time ago, Dan and I uh, lived in a fourplex uh, together. The other one of the other units was my brother and his then wife. So we've, you know, we've roommated before. And I think we got along uh, nicely. But Dan, uh, you know, go ahead. Was I uh, difficult? Was I? Uh, no, no, no. You were, you were quite fine. Well, I was. was you're uh, very, a very gracious host, unlike your, uh, you know, when we were formerly uh, roommates. I don't. You were so gracious of you uh, making sure that there was enough food in the fridge, and we had, uh, you know, excellent meals when you were there, and uh, you know, we're all, you know, it was good. We had a great time. Because I, uh, you know, I know I what can else be. Is he gonna say? I know exactly. I know I can be difficult, <laughs> and I can be an, an odd fellow. No, but we had a nice time. We made Dan yeah. dinner one night. I. Uh, Mm-hmm. Delicious. I made him a uh, barbecued corn with a uh, tomato and uh, burrata salad and uh, mm-hmm. marinated pork chops. Never had the burrata before. That was kind that was of Dan's nice. first burrata experience. I broke his burrata cherry right yeah. there in Ooh, his burrata, right in his Mar-a-Lagos. <laughs> Were you gentle? <laughs> yes. I was surprised a man of uh, Dan's sort of worldly stature the guy's been all over the place got married in malta for crying out loud uh i was surprised that that was his first sort of yeah. a lot of people have had the tomato and buccaccini yeah. but the mm-hmm. burrata exploding over the tomatoes and i got these heirloom tomatoes and you put it on a bed of arugula with basil and, and then you olive oil it up and uh, it was beautiful mm-hmm. <laughs> fred what's he gonna say what's he, yeah, he's gonna say you know we're difficult you were very He's, he needs a place to stay for the next three weeks. I'm sure he's he's not going <laughs> to attack know. you on week two. Sorry, that's right. <laughs> I, I was I, I, I wanted him to feel welcome, and I you know tried to make sure there was things for my Danny. I even got him a got him made sure he had his lunch for his you know his work. Yeah, yeah, I got him some lunch. Got, and got a, a little lunch yeah. salad for me. Got nice. him a little lunch salad. Yeah, set yeah. me on my way. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to be accommodating. He was nice having uh, some company in the house for, and I didn't see much of him because I, you know, I had a lot of golf going mm-hmm. on last week. But uh. did uh, Stan get mad when you started rubbing Dan's belly? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say. I, Stan was uh, following Dan around. Stan, I kept, yeah, call, I started calling Stan Stan Duran. Mm. Yeah, he, he warmed up to me a little bit. I was yeah. there long enough for him to sort of. <sighs> Feel like I was part of the deal, and uh, Dan was uh, on the in the massage chair every day, every mm-hmm. goddamn day. It was I came home one day, he just gotten out of the massage chair, had himself a little massage chair nap. Nice, yeah. that's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Something? The more you use it, the more you start realizing there's options there, and you know, figuring out uh, ways to use it. I came home one night. He was we in the chair, face facing the chair. Though I thought that was a bit weird. I'm like, hey, hey! I said, "Come on, buddy, get that giant ding dong off my fucking chair." He's like trying to make love to it. I said, "There's no, uh, there's no setting for that, Dan." Yeah. Uh, anyway, Dan Duran's... Uh, there is now, baby. <laughs> There's no setting for that. Dan Duran. Dan Duran was trying to fuck one of the leg holes. I said, Dan, come, oh. on. come on now. Oh, that's too much for your sensitive. Yeah, um, all right. Uh, coming up here as well, Dan Duran's news. And, uh, well, we've... Uh, and, and after I read this uh, commercial... 
It had to happen. Our, str- our streak is over. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But, uh, mm-hmm. but first, uh, Frederick... Well, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from uh, their industry-leading odds to the world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room uh, to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. I mean, so many odds you can play there. Obviously, baseball, NFL, football coming up. Everybody loves that. Uh, Tell me about it. But even the odds about, you know, the Blue Jays' chances of securing a wild card spot or maybe catching the Yankees in the American League East. Go there. Bodog. Have fun. Uh, Yeah, they've been around since 1994. Uh, I'm sorry. I was looking at something else. How are the Jays doing? Are they going to get in? Are they going to squeak in? Well, they just won three or four in New York. That's how I like seven that. Seven games behind the Yankees now for the division lead, so could be worse. All right. Uh, this program also brought to you by GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs uh, for over 25 years, servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people go, Daddy, to get a domain, create a website, and everything you need to get your business online. If you've got an idea, maybe it's a brilliant thing you've been dreaming about, sitting on for a while, the online store you finally want to launch. There's no better time than now to do it with GoDaddy. You can find your domain, create your website, and finally bring it to life with their free and friendly 24-7 phone support. They're also here to help you every step of the way. You can start your website for free today. Try it out. No credit card even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. So when last we did a show, you were at your friend John's, who has contributed to our program from time to time. Nice man. And you were doing your show in one of your many bedrooms there at the Palatial Elephson Estate. And our yes. and your other friend or our friend Darren, yes, had contacted the COVID, yes, yes, and then why don't you pick up the thread of that story? Well, uh, I guess we did the show what Monday and Tuesday, and then later Tuesday, I guess or, th- or Wednesday, I tested myself. I was, you know, pretty much um, symptom free. And then I felt a little bit of a scratch on the top of my chest. Anyway, I tested myself, and oh yeah, I was I was positive. I was positive. This was the Wednesday before you guys were coming back on the yes. Thursday. Yes. Okay. Yes. No. I, you know what? I'm sorry. It was the Thursday morning because we were coming back, and I thought I better just test myself because I'm going to be going into the home with my suite. So I tested myself, and yes, I was positive. And at that time, you said you just had a little bit of a yeah. Symptom-wise, I came through it quite, quite, uh, uh, quite softly, so to speak. Uh, Darren had, you know, aches and pains, and uh, and um, he was congested and uh, headaches, and I never had any of that. I just had a, some upper chest congestion, which you say you can still hear in me, uh, but I. I had no sinus problem, no sinus pain, no headaches, no body aches. Just, again, this little bit of congestion. And uh, I think it was last Wednesday morning I tested negative, and then 48 hours tested again. I was negative, so good to go. Um, I would say that if uh, if somebody didn't know you and had heard your voice 
as many times as I had. They probably wouldn't catch it. It sounds, you know what it, now that we've been talking for about an hour since you came on the uh, Zoom chat, it, it sounds a little bit less, but it sort of at first sounds like you just woke up, right? You've got some, you know, yeah. early morning chest voice. The only thing is with me, in my later years, I've developed a couple of allergies. <clears throat> like if I cut the grass, I get all, my nose starts to run and I get congested. Um, and uh, and I don't know this ragweed stuff too, so I, I, I don't know what that. to make of it. Yeah, could uh, you, I'm the same way, by the way. I've, I've, yeah. I've gotten allergies later in life as well. And it, it could, it sounds, you know, now that you've mentioned that, it sort of sounds like you're a bit congested from, or you're, you know, yeah. you don't sound nasally. You just sound like there's something in your chest. Well, let's put it this way. It's uh, one or the other. It's there and it's mm-hmm. one or the other. All I know is I have tested negative uh, 48 hours apart. And uh, so again, I'm good to go. Plus I'm 12, 13 days now, so. Just on that alone, you're good to go. And getting back to, you know, whack jobs and conspiracy and anti-vaxxers, this whole Mm -hmm. argument about, okay, you got double-vaxxed and then boosted and you still got COVID. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm I'm almost fatigued of having to have this or or wanting this to be explained to people. The Uh point of being vaccinated was not to never get the COVID. It was to mitigate what it would do to you. You're a 66 year old guy in pretty decent right. shape. Imagine though, you know, prior to a vaccination and boosting, what, what would your ride have been? Cause listen, my brother, Steven, uh, there's a friend of his who got it really early. In fact, we had him on the show early in the, the whole journey. He was uh, living in New York. Everyone in his fourplex got COVID and he was one of those long haulers. Again, guy around your age. And he had symptoms months later because this was pre vaccine. Mm-hmm. And you've just illustrated, you know, you, it, it just depends. You know, you had a pretty soft journey, as you've said, and our friend Darren. Say, yeah. And Darren's sort of, I would say, medium. Yes. You know, I know people that have been way sicker than Darren. and um, mm-hmm. But most people have come through it, you know, kind of like you. Both of my kids have had it. Charlie's, my older daughter's had it twice. And it's the idea that you get vaccinated so that you have a softer reaction to it well this is it and you know well i I'll, I'll never know but i'm glad i didn't find out because again if a, another booster came out next week i would get it because my experience would be you know i would say to all those dunderheads yeah i was fully vaxxed double boosted and i came through covid relatively soft so yeah i i like the idea of the of the vaccine, and then they would come back and say, but you don't know, we still got it. And I'd say, well, you know, I don't really want to find out what it would have been like without the vaccine, because I'm not stupid. Is right. Bill Gates yeah. is putting something in yeah. the vaccine that makes you want to have sex with children. Well, and that's another thing. I was in a, fell into a YouTube rabbit hole the other day, and it was all these people claiming that they weren't taking the vax because they don't know what's in it you know that storyline oh yeah sure I mean, meanwhile they smoke and they eat you know red dye and oh yeah you know eat wieners and goddamn processed meat and because they know everything that's in those hey eh? yeah mm. i don't know when that became an argument for anything yeah. because i don't know how anything works like nothing i don't know exactly. how i don't listen mm-hmm. it, and I'm, you know, I know I'm not as smart about these things as you guys are, but I have really no 
I, I couldn't have given you a, a real explanation as how the electricity is on in this fucking condo. Yeah. But I certainly, I got a prescription from my doctor in the spring when I was having some mm-hmm. trouble with my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I certainly, my, my first question wasn't, what's in this? And because if he had told me, I wouldn't have known what those things were. Mm-hmm. What's in I'm the I'm going vaccine? to get the shingles. Oh, yeah, good. You know, I thought oh, I probably should get that. Like, do I know what's in it? I don't care what's in it. Just stop me from getting shingles, thank you. Like, or, you know, maybe I'll get the flu shot. I mean, it's just such a ridiculous argument. And again, how many times are we going to beat that drum? It comes from other issues in your life, obviously, yeah. because none of it makes sense. Well, and back to that podcast, uh, I'm going to, when, when I'll, I'll try and get Dan when we're done the show, we'll just put it up on our Facebook. We've talked about it enough for, for people to want to go and see it. But, uh, anyway, getting back to you and, and we've, so we, cause we had sort of joked or I was joking about why doesn't COVID like us, what's wrong with us? Why can't we get COVID? Right. And you know, that bit, ha ha. And, uh, and here you've gone and got the COVID now. I have a question for you. What about masking? Do you go back to more masking? Do you feel more? Has that changed you at all or is it about uh, the same? That's a good that's a good question, Howard. I had because that recommends even after you test positive after 48 hours apart that you for the next four or five days wear masks like in public places and what have you. And I've been up north here, not really around anyone. So, yes, um, for the protection of others. Yes. Apparently now, though, once you have COVID, you're pretty much good for, what, 90 days to to a year or something of not getting it again. <laughs> Plus, I know exactly where we got it, and it was a big mistake. You know, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. You know, it's a, it's a Hall of Fame. It's a bunch of dark rooms with no windows and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you, you know, you hear stories... You know, people get it with masks on. People get it, uh, don't get it without masks on. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, Fred Ball calls me. You know, him and Nancy, they're in Montreal, the Grand Prix. He gets it. Uh, They drive home in a car for seven hours. He's in the house with her. She doesn't get it. My buddy Doug, he gets it. His wife, Laverne, doesn't get it. On and on and on. So many of those stories. How do you explain that? I don't know, man. Like, I've been around yeah. some people. You know, Charlie, I, I tell the story, was here the day after Father's Day in June. I spent the whole day with her. Uh, she went home, wasn't feeling well, called me the next day. She tested positive. And, you know, other than feeling, again, uh, you know, I've had some allergies and a, a little bit that week. I don't know whether it was psychosomatic, but I started to feel like I was getting a little bit of a cold. Tested myself, tested mm-hmm. negative. The symptoms went away. I, I felt fine. Um, but I was going to say, I've gone back, because I, I was raw-dogging it. I was going maskless for a while. But I go back, basically in a grocery store setting. If I'm in some place for longer than 10 minutes, I'll put my mask on. I don't care. I just, I mean, I know the chances are now getting better and better all the time that I'm going to get it. I just don't, I would rather not. Thanks. Well, isn't it interesting that... <sighs> You know, last fall, although it was just before Omicron, because Darren reminded me of this. When we were down in South Carolina golfing last fall, towards the end of our week down there, I came out from the shower and Darren said, did you see this? And he read about this Omicron variant. And we thought, oh, shit. But anyway, we were down there for that week and didn't get COVID, but we were on the on the tail of Delta, right? Do you remember that? Yes, Delta sir. was just yeah, disappearing. Well, I remember because I was uh, when you were there. I was in uh, Italy last right. fall when it was when it just began. 
So the, and then I go for all of February, and you can speak to this as well. I, I'm in Florida of all bloody places, but again, my lifestyle down there—I was—I uh, didn't wasn't really around people, you know, on the beach and the little house that we rented and stuff. And I don't get it. But here I am, like a year later, when you think, hey, maybe I'm not going to get this thing, and you walk into a Hall of Fame, which is really an invitation, right? Like, well, and, and, I, and I, I had been there. I didn't even need to go in there again, for Christ's sake. No, but you, I think that's a good point. Like, I, you know, I was in Europe just as uh, Delta began, and as we came home, it was just starting mm-hmm. to spread. And at that point, we were all starting to kind of relax. And when we were there, uh, ex GFR and I, um, we're still being careful, but maybe a little less so, like still wearing masks on the way to the table at a restaurant, which, you know, I'm not doing that now. But what you said about being in an enclosed area, I haven't been, you know, I was in museums, but not but not in a sort of enclosed. And the, and the only person I was near was Rachel. The point is, um, there aren't a lot of opportunities in my life right. Uh, right. to be in that situation. Right. You know, I'm basically around people out of doors most of the time. And this was crowded and a ton of kids because there's always baseball tournaments going on down there. So there was a ton of kids in there. And uh, in retrospect, you know, I should have said, hey, I, hey, I've been in there before, guys. You, yeah, you guys you go on in. I'll, I'll see you outside. But I may have got it off, Darren. Anyway, like, like yeah. who knows? How's he feeling, by the way? Uh, he was still sluggish last time I talked to him, like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Guy, but, uh, he said he was starting to gonna go cut some grass and yeah so anyway uh yeah it's a real thing it exists now i've i've moved uh into the other column now <laughs> what's that well but someone who's had covid oh that's right you're the you're right? a person with covid yes uh my son's had it my daughter's had it uh Dele- I mean, i gotta tell you delise was fantastic because the whole time home i'm thinking oh my god my life's over <laughs> that's I right covid and the way she is very cautious but she was fantastic i felt like a teenager you know in the summer i have this thing where i don't i, I don't like sitting inside watching tv or anything because i just always feel like i should be out doing something i don't know but it was five days of, you know, really, that's all I can do. So I was just down in the rec room watching TV and having meals passed to me under the door. Or Beautiful. The door. Yeah. No, it was good. And she looked after me and I would I would text my, I would say my breakfast order, what I wanted. For <laughs> that's great. She'd make it and then give it to me and then. She texts me, what do you want for lunch? And, oh, I'll have a salad with some chicken. And, and well, but everything. you were also, could you not sit outside in the back together? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We can oh, okay. Yeah. Because you've got, a, you know, enough room back there. Oh, yeah. No, I had a, I, I put a lounger back there and some afternoons just laid on the lounge and, yeah. Nice. It was fine. It was fine. You know what? It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, well. I, 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 I wish I hadn't have got, I wish <clears> I. <throat> I wish I was still in your column, but I, it could have been worse is all I will say. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people listening can relate to, you know, I guess, you know, both of us now, because I, I, I still think, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but most people haven't had it statistically. Yeah. Yeah. But, you're right. but yeah. I don't know. I, 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 even as I say that, I would wonder aloud and I wonder what your thoughts would be. Do you think it's now half the population? Like, I haven't looked at the numbers. Let me just do that. But, I mean, my sense of it is still that more people haven't had it, but I'm maybe, 
maybe um could be wrong maybe you know it's closer than i think well when i was down at john's in baltimore it was funny his attitude and he says his attitude is the same as most people in that area they just don't care anymore they call it the flu the covid flu so i think there's a lot of people probably here in canada too who have mild symptoms and don't even bother to test because they think oh i don't feel that bad i don't even want to know if it's covid it just feels like a cold how how much of that is going on well and i bet uh, you there's a lot of it going on yeah i would agree uh so here uh, this is something i haven't checked in uh months now the worldometer uh world health organization uh reported cases so the usa still leads the world in reported cases uh close to 95 million and over a million deaths but two days ago, reported only 10,000 cases. Two days ago in Canada, reported zero cases. Now, I, I, that, that's statistically not possible. No. No. So to our point that people now are, because like your, your negative, I'm sorry, your positive COVID experience is not counted in this. No. Because you didn't exactly. report that to How anyone. How would they know? They'd have no way of knowing exactly unless I got unless I got ill and so, had to go to or something at the border or something. I don't know. Now, to my point in Canada, population 38 million. The worldometer tally is four point one million cases. Mm-hmm. So you've got to imagine there's at least double, if not triple those cases because of what you just went through. No one reported that case. No, all the people that I know that have gotten it, they haven't been reported because they haven't gotten sick enough Mm -hmm. to have it been to have it been recorded. Mm -hmm. So if our population is 38 million and you tripled that, that's 12. So, yeah, we you know, we'd be close to getting closer to half the populations probably had it. Yeah, so I'm thinking my life is over with Delise. Uh, She was great, very logical, level headed through it all. Um, but again, she had talked to people that we knew about, you know, how they handled it with one spouse having it and the other not. And then I'm thinking, there's no way, man, like travels off for us in the fall or in the winter. There's no way she's going to want to travel, but that's not true. She, she's, well, you know, still open to that because again, it's here. We got to live with it. You got to get on with your life. So. Let the let the chips fall where they may. Get vaccinated, you know. Increase your protection and uh, and proceed with uh, caution. I'm not surprised about Delise, though. I mean, Dahl is nothing if not pragmatic and logical, and she's not a nut. I mean, yeah, early mm-hmm. on when it was the fear of the unknown, right. somebody like Delise, who was already a bit germ aware, mm-hmm. would have had the reaction that she did have, which is, you know, mm-hmm. months of wiping off groceries and being extra cautious. Yes. But, yes. you know, the novel coronavirus that we all grew to know and mm-hmm. love in the spring of 2020, it's not novel anymore. The novel tea has worn off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, I, I wanted to get into this maybe because uh, Noel's going to be checking in in a couple of minutes, but I, I'm starting to make some plans for the winter of 2023. And, and it's just interesting what's out there and what's available and, you know, and where you can go. And I've already seen just how much cheaper that area of Mexico is just incredible. What you can get in what area? Well, where Billy lives. All right. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know yeah. what you can get there in uh like north of Mexico City in the mountains is just it's un, it's really unbelievable 
for four or five weeks for a couple grand, mm-hmm. the kind of accommodations available. And then you contrast that with where I'm looking at in Florida, which is the Atlantic coast between Boca and Fort Lauderdale. There's a little town I like called Delray Beach. And, and that's very, it's just more expensive, you know, for what you get. Doesn't your former mother-in-law have a house in that area? Uh, well, she, uh, she does, yeah. Well, why aren't you bunking in with her? You have a good relationship. <laughs> I do actually. I, I know call, you do. I, I called her uh, last week as I was because I was telling her. I said, "Hey, listen, I might yeah. be coming to have dinners with you because I'm looking to stay pretty close to where you are." Oh, and yeah, and, and the reason I because it's also convenient for my kids to come and visit sure. Grandma Ma and me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I'll be bunking in with Barb. <laughs> Although that would be cheaper. Well, that's good for her that she's still doing that too. Uh, yeah, well, potentially, yeah. Um, what do you mean uh, potentially? Well, you she know, is. well, she's 83 years old. I mean, you never well, know, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, buy yeah. an offer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy an old condo. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, let's get, uh, let's get right to it. So, uh, and there's so much has gone on. And it's been going on for so long. And, and I don't know, I can't, I can't remember how long this guy's been. Uh, hanging out with us but uh it's always a pleasure to have him back and uh i don't think he's he's going to be surprised as how we start today because uh he'll love this hang on a second let's see what would let's see if uh, our guest will how soon he'll get this there you go didn't take long uh, for the better part of uh, the, the pandemic and now as we try and save America, the Humble and Fred Show, trying to save America, <laughs> that's our new thing. Uh, I found out, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that one of our favorite guests is also a uh, huge hip fan. Please welcome back, Noel Kassler. There you go. Can you identify this song, punk? Grace, too, baby. There you I go. love it, man. Come on, dude. That's about me. I'm yeah. tragically hip. <laughs> <laughs> What a great song this is. Oh, my God. I come from... Let's go. I don't think I've... uh, It's funny, Noel. We've told the story on the show. Fred and I had a lot to do with this band. And, uh, you know, over the years, we played a lot of their music. They were a big part of uh, the edge where we worked. and, uh, And I can honestly say, while I was playing their music, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now, which is weird. But um, it was because of you that I uh, saw you'd posted about the sixth anniversary. Yeah, I love them. I mean, it's pure poetry. Gord Downey was a genius, and the band means a lot to me. Even though I'm an American, I got turned on to them in 96 because I went to school with a bunch of kids from Toronto. And and they played them, and I'm like, what is this, dude? (laughs) And I got their whole collection and just, you know... I love them. I have a, a guitar that's a 53 Hofner that's just like the one Gord Downey plays that I bought at Kingston Guitar Shop in Ontario when I went wow. over there with Jackson Brown, like in probably 2010. Just a fabulous story, and that last concert is one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed. I paid tribute to it on my podcast last week. You know, the fact that pretty much a third of Canada showed up to say goodbye and celebrate a band and a man who meant so much to them is is unparalleled in the world culture. Mm -hmm. And it's not to be taken lightly, because things like that are... 
you know, life affirming in many ways. But, you, you know, let's before we get to politics, it's interesting because you I forget sometimes you mentioned you were on the road with Jackson Brown. Like Noel worked with a lot of bands and, and is very uh, deep in the music industry, certainly knowledge wise. Why do you think? Um, because 96, Freddie, would have been after they appeared on Saturday Night Live, I think. They go on, you know, because Dan Aykroyd, you know, basically said to Lauren mm-hmm. Michaels, you got to put this band on. <clears throat> so why do you think, Noel, that other than border states, you know, Western New York being one of them, that they didn't really have or break through in the states? Yeah, it's a great question because they're as good as a U2 or a Radiohead or an REM. I mean, yeah. they're on par with any of the Soundgarden, all those exactly. bands in the early it's, 90s. Yep. Right. Pearl Jam, which Pearl Jam was huge fans of Radiohead. It's a corporate thing. When they were around, it was still the era of big radio company, uh, big record companies running the music industry, and they never got the backing and the push. You know, my my I shouldn't get into this. My manager was crucial in Alanis Morissette's career, you know, who was on Maverick Records, which was Madonna's record company at the time. So had they had the right sort of corporate backing in New York, they would have broken big. They just didn't. Yeah. yeah and you wonder how that doesn't happen or happens that they didn't. Um you know, you talk about Alanis falling in the right groove. Uh, Shania Twain, same thing, yeah. hooking up with Mutt Lang. And then there's another band. Are you aware of Blue Rodeo, another of, Canadian band? Of course. I'm a big Steely Dan fan, and there's a lot of parallels there. Like, I, I can't believe, you know, when New Country was popular and they were sort of at their height, how they didn't become popular yeah. in the United States, too. And that, and you probably, the reason is what, what you just said, just... The yeah, wrong it's, connections. It's corporate backing and it's guys being threatened about what they have. They're selling, right? They're already selling REM and U2 mm-hmm. and these bands. So they're like, we don't need a competitor, right? It's the same with like Gordon Lightfoot, you know, on par with a Bob Dylan or something or a Springsteen. But it's like, we already got that guy down here. Yeah, but Gordon, but Gordon Lightfoot... Uh, where am I hearing? Is it in your background, Freddie, or Knowles? I'm just hearing some. No, it doesn't matter. It's but go, me. But, I'm in but, Nantucket. I'm on yeah, vacation. No, yeah, so. no worries, man. But oh, uh, We should do some Nantucket. Right. <laughs> that's right. Um, mm. Well, because it's funny, because Fred's Sorry. at the lake. You're at the lake. But I'm here in the dirty city <laughs> next to a rub and tug in a porn shop. <laughs> um, and that's not, I'm not, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh but here's what I was going to say. Gordon Lightfoot broke through. And, and back to your point about record companies and the American label not supporting the Canadian label, which is what the hip were on. But now's a daisies, the tragically hip because their songs were so good and hits, you know, like we mentioned those bands, R.E.M. and such. I'll put the catalog and I love R.E.M., but I would put the hip catalog up against it for radio friendly hits, etc., and, in, and, and if it was around this time where they could just put their music out on TikTok or YouTube or on mm. their own, I think it would have found an American and maybe more of a worldwide audience. That's well said. If, mm-hmm. if the music was oh, in right. the hands of the people, the people would have been celebrating the hip down here. Right. It was just that's what was, was my point is that the tastemakers were all in corporate offices yes. and they were deciding MTV was deciding. You know, I found the hip because much music was broadcasting down in, in like mm-hmm. New York market for an experiment. That was the first yeah. time I saw like the Bob Cajun video. And I'm like, what is this? Why isn't this on MTV? Had it been, mm-hmm. they would have broken big. Or you look at Billie Eilish. I mean, how she started and was uh, discovered and uh, the weekend here in Canada. Justin Bieber. Bieber, Uh, uh, who I worked with a lot. The old way. uh, Yeah, maybe we don't even know who they are right now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was the case. You know, there's a, ma- a million talented guys that you never heard of, I yeah, promise. Right. You know, mm-hmm. guys that were just as good guitar players as anyone you've ever heard yeah. or whatever. You know, and again, I, I've kind of gotten more into TikTok the last year or so. And I send what I'll, I have a buddy of mine who's a Steely Dan fan now, uh, as well as well as us. And he's my buddy in France. And I'll send him because there's so many talented kids that are like doing their own music on TikTok and some of it is Steely Dan and some of it, you know, but my point is to you, what you just said, there's so many talented people that now don't need a record company to open the door for them. Absolutely. Now well, you let, just put, exactly. What about Post Malone? Same thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Exactly. It's funny when you can uh, launch your career from your bedroom, that's just crazy. It's fantastic. Actually. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It puts it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly is. We, uh, very few things that we do, uh, very few guests that we have on, uh, get the kind of attention that Noel does. And I started noticing it even a couple of days ago, I went on my Twitter and there's a bunch of people saying, Hey, when's Noel coming back? And I retweeted the fact then that you were coming on this morning and Toronto Mike put it out on our Twitter feed. And it's always quite interesting. And we have, we've been off for a couple of weeks. We haven't done a lot of shows in the summer because we're old, no. But so many things, so many goddamn things are happening in your country uh, that the, the fact that you're on today is uh, fortuitous. Uh, usually I have a few things written down and where I want to take it. But I honestly, there's so many I... You just pick one. Do you want to just do you want to start with the most the latest the Mar-a-Lago raid on the fucking documents? Yeah, that's fucking fucking that that's it, dude. I mean, come on. I've been coming on here for almost two years. It'll yeah. be a two year anniversary in November, Aww. and I'm the guy who's sort of documenting the, the Trump travails from the American perspective. And that's huge. That's the biggest thing that's happened in that time. Because it's the first time in that guy's lifetime that he's gotten some actual pushback. Do you know what I mean? The FBI having a subpoena to take back classified documents, right? We're not talking about tchotchkes that he stole out of the Oval Office. (laughs) Stationary and matches and pens. Right. Nuclear secrets. The kind of things you can sell to Saudi Arabia, which I think was the game from the beginning. Jared Kushner and Ivanka were always the sort of behind-the-scenes shot callers in Trump world. So they would have gone into the White House and they would have said, what can we steal? You know, what is valuable here of these documents, of these classified secrets that we're now a part of and privy to, even though they tried to deny Jared security clearance for this very reason. Trump overrode him, gave it to him. So my theory is, and it panned out, right? Because as soon as I heard about the raid, you know, not the raid, but, you know, the subpoena, the seizure, I said, it's going to be nuclear documents because that's the most valuable thing. Even the energy ones, right? Even the ones that talk about small, you know, cold fusion and small reactors are worth a fortune. It costs billions to develop that kind of technology. So, yeah, okay. So they're worth something to, to who and what would they have to do to realize um, a payoff? Like, I, that's this is where I'm lost. They money, they launder it through Live, right? His golf tournament that has mm-hmm. happened since we spoke at Mar-a-Lago, yeah, yeah. where all the Saudi Arabians came in and funded it and pumped a ton of money into his Bedminster club. They launder it through Jared's hedge fund, which he lost launched when he left the White House, and he got a $2 billion investment 
that even the sovereign wealth fund of KSA said, no, we don't. This guy has no institutional investment experience. And MBS, their ruler, overruled them and said, no, give him two billion dollars. That's like giving somebody a radio show who's never you know, spoken right. publicly or something like you don't give somebody two billion dollars who hasn't spent their life investing in the markets. You know? <laughs> it's like they did at CHFI there, Howard. But anyway, <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all right. Uh, so literally sell the information. Yeah, you can sell the information. People need access that's to that. That's un-American. Well, right, that's the exactly. thing. I wanted to just jump in, Noel. And here's the, you know, and this will, this is a thread that runs through this entire segment, I yeah. promise, which is this. It's one thing, it is unprecedented for a former president to have the FBI come to their home to retrieve documents that that may be of national interest and there isn't anyone and maybe correct me if i'm wrong there's no one in the republican party that has said well what were those documents why was he you know like there's no no one they just go right to unprecedented raid they're trying to they're always a witch hunt and and when i when i've said to fred and i and i think i've said it to you too is there no one that ever in magaland ever wonders is it ever his fault? Is there ever has he ever done anything wrong? Pick one that's of a those. Good point, right? Yeah, it's always a witch hunt. It's always the evil deep state that's trying to take down the you know the bright shining knight in Donald Trump, a man who was involved in four thousand lawsuits before he became president. Right? That could have been a red flag to anybody. But no, they don't stand up to him because Trumpism and MAGAism is a lifestyle brand, and they're all getting rich and powerful off of promoting it. They know he's a crook. They mm-hmm. know he had no business. That's why they're not saying what's on the documents because they know it's bad the one person i'll just shut up now but the one person who did stand up was liz cheney yes. she was ousted liz My cheney hero. her dad is darth vader to conservatives <laughs> you know <laughs> what i mean there's nobody he wouldn't attack to sell a gallon of gas right yeah and she gets pilloried and kicked out of the party but we'll touch on that too um Something I find encouraging is happening. But you get back to unprecedented. Why is it unprecedented? Because of what he did. That was unprecedented. So an unprecedented move based on an unprecedented move. Exactly. It's so obvious. Yeah. They had to go in and do that because he did something that no other president has ever done. And then the lying bastard saying, oh, you know, Obama had 30,000 documents. They were taken under high security to a place near Chicago where they're under lock and key and like just another lie that he used in a situation like that. Obama did it properly. He didn't. Exactly. Well said. You know, and everything about Trumpism was unprecedented. The election Mm -hmm. was unprecedented. Everything he did, no other president shook down a foreign leader to try and get dirt on his opponent either. You know, no other president stole the minutes when he had a private meeting with Putin in Helsinki. You know, like... Uh You know, it's so discouraging. I mean, the woman that ran in uh, in the primary, and I don't want to get too deep because I know a lot of Canadians listening go, what about Pierre Polyev? We will get to Pierre. But Mm -hmm. like, it's sort of depressing slash, I don't know, something where the woman that were that was replaced Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney lost her primary last week, so she won't be coming back to Congress. But the woman that replaced her, just another person that's still talking about the election being stolen, that Trump is, uh, you know, the, the, the chosen one, etc. And I, I say to Fred sometimes, 
Like, are there really that many stupid people down there? Howard, we should be glad there is, because now the theory is, and and it's valid, so many whack job candidates are emerging through these primaries. In the general election, they don't stand a chance. They're so fucking over the top that mainstream Republicans are going to look and go, we can't go there. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, I think there's some some validation to that. You know, it's scary. The lady mm-hmm. who's running against Liz Cheney or who already beat her in the primary, she looks like Kathy Bates in I know. Misery. Yeah, you no, know I, what I mean? That was a good joke, you man. I loved, I loved it. That? That, was yeah, a yeah. Good, that was a good reference. I, I, right. He, he tweeted like that. that. It's very good. Right. That, if I wake up in a rustic bed after a car accident, <laughs> right. I'm like, that lady's coming through the door. Oh, that you was know, fucking yeah. funny. If, if you were hitchhiking and you opened the door and saw no. her, you'd be like, oh, hell no. No, 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 no I'm no. not getting in you that know? car. Right. Exactly. That's going to cost you're me gonna kidney. be. You're going to be. What is she was hobbled? She was. You, that is woman. That woman has hobbled somebody. Exactly. <laughs> and the crazy thing is about that woman and like that lake uh, woman. Carrie Lake. Ari- yeah. Arizona. That that were that woman. The last election worked on Liz Cheney's campaign and was anti-Trump. Like, it's amazing how these people flip to get a parking spot. Right. And a. Big, big. And, a, and a big paycheck. And same with that, that robot there in uh, Arizona, that lake woman. I forget what her first name is. Like, Carrie. It's like she was manufactured. Like she's sickening, that woman. Yeah. Sickening. She, she scares me because yes. she is very well spoken and polished. Mm. She has yes. the sort of verbal discipline to appeal to the soccer moms that consider themselves yes. good people. The heart of this thing and the, the thing I always try to point out is that these guys think they are the good guys, yeah, right? They've been so yeah. brainwashed that they really believe this stuff. Right. We are a nation of really ignorant people. It doesn't mean we're bad people, but Americans have been sold fast food for politics for decades because of cable TV and USA Today and all these sort of like very, you know, simplified, sugar-coated way to ingest information, right? And a lot of our country falls for jingoism and waving a flag and America's the greatest, as we've discussed on this show before, right? Americans don't even know Canadians were involved in World War II, right? No, we I, all of a sudden I, won it on our own with John Wayne and a knife in his teeth. The, the, right? you know, the greatest, uh, they call it the greatest generation and they make it seem like you know, Americans single-handedly won right. World War II. I'm going to bring a couple things up I had been saving because I saw the Woodstock 99 documentary train wreck what did you think of that by the way i was there i went there to see the hip i bought a ticket because it was my chance to see the hip so i went there i Uh. ended up in the medical tent when they played because i got severe dehydration Yeah, because it was a shit show it was a nightmare you know i work in that business well i I was gonna say right because you must like i watching it it was like the fire festival on steroids but one of the things i want to connect to which is the the Rage of those white boys. Uh, you should watch it, Freddie. It's a three. I've seen it. I, I watched it. So you know what I'm getting at? Like part of the train wreck of that concert was the ra- and again. It's not the fault of the bands because those bands were young white men rage rock, rage against the machine, right. kid rock, etc. And at the same time, uh, a couple days later, I watched a uh, rewatched the Jackie Robinson story forty two. And why I'm bringing those two things up is America has been shitty for a long time. So when they say make America great again, I'm like, well, how far back are we going to go? Because in the 40s, they were saying the N word out loud to a guy on a baseball field. And in 1999, those guys were screaming 
rageaholics. And that's, it's like, is that the American we're going to get back to? Because it wasn't that great 20 years ago. And you know what? It wasn't great in 1947 when Jackie Robinson came in the league and couldn't eat at the same restaurant as his teammates. Right. Or Bill Russell, who won them a championship in Boston, and they went and attacked his house and, like, you know, screw, you know, destroyed his bed. I won't even get into how horrible they were to him. And he won championships for Boston. That Woodstock 99 thing, I wrote a song about it. I used to be a big songwriter. You know, I used to write songs all the time. And it was like, it's exactly what you described, Howard. It was corporate, like, businesses selling this like manufactured rage it wasn't even coming from a legit point i was there these kids were like went to college these weren't like poor kids who weren't getting a chance in life these were suburban punks getting a chance to act out michael lang who organized it i've known my whole life he passed away recently the whole thing was a scam you know john sher the promoter you know, I couldn't get water. That's why I missed the hip set. I ended up in the medical tent because I was standing in line at an ATM to buy a bottle of water for five bucks yeah. or something. It was a manufactured crisis, and it was a horrible thing. Women got assaulted. It took me a day to get out of there. When you watch the fires as the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I was next to that speaker tower, right? Mm. And it, they set it on fire with a dude on top of it who had climbed to the top. I mean, it was just... It was awful, but it was indicative of something. And it felt like the end of an era. It felt like, you know, the real spirit of the music had died in many ways. And like these corporations had come in to sort of pick the bones. And -hmm. they did not care what the effect was going to be on their audience if they made a buck. And that's MAGAism, right? Those same 20-year-old punks Mm -hmm. are now 45, 50 years old voting for Trump. It's the same mentality as the dudes who are driving the giant pickup trucks. Trucks right. with the FU, I want my, you know, AR-15 kind mm-hmm. of stickers. It's it's that same sort of privileged, coddled, suburban white America that is fed resentment that somehow they think they're the victims mm-hmm. in this country. And yeah. they're not. And they're not being told the truth because it's cheaper to lie to them and pick their pockets. Mm-hmm. Who were the two guys you named again? Lang- John Schur and Michael, Michael Lang. Lang yeah. And, yeah, and John Schur. That, uh, listen, history has not been kind to them because that just watching them through that was just so slimy. Yeah. Knowing the situation and pretending it it and, wasn't happening was it put a lot of lives at risk. It yeah. was something else, man. And, and you knew it happening. Mm. You know, I, all my friends were on the crew. So I would go between yeah. the audience and backstage. And, and I got in a fight with Fred Durst, who was the singer of Limp, Limp Bizkit, Bizkit, yeah. because right. they, t- they told him to calm everybody down when they were ripping down these pieces of plywood. And he goes, yo, they just told me to tell you to calm down. I think that looks tight. Keep doing it. And then he did it himself. Mm-hmm. So a couple weeks later, I was at the VMAs which is the MTV Awards at Lincoln Center. And I ran into him in the lobby and I went up to him and I was like, hey, good job, buddy. Just so you know, a bunch of women got sexually assaulted because you opened your big mouth and wouldn't like protect the audience. Mm -hmm. you know." And he got all in my face like a tough guy. And I was like, hit me, dude. I'll own you. (laughs) You know, punch Mm -hmm. me right now. And I talked to the Beastie Boys and uh, Adam Horowitz went out in his speech and gave a big like, you know, called everybody out on the BS that went down. I want to ask you about as a a guy that's been in the business. Again, this is a fantastic uh, uh, resource that we have here with Noel because he's worked a bunch of big shows. So I I was fascinated by that documentary. It's a three-part series on Netflix if you're looking for someone to watch. And I would tell you, like, 
the disconnect between Michael Lang and this John Sure guys. For people who don't know, they were the promoters, and they had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Lang was the original, one of the original promoters of the original Woodstock. So while all this carnage is going on, they're having these press conferences. Oh, everything is great. It's peace and love. But as a guy that's worked big shows, what was the problem with like just simple things? Water, sanitation, like the porta potties all overflowed. Like how did they not? Again, I'm going to finish this question. I'm starting to be like Bateman. I'm sorry I ask long questions. But how did they not know that 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 would be a problem with 250,000 people? They did know, and they didn't care. It was going to be a problem as soon as they picked a concrete, you know, airstrip to yes. do the event on because it was ninety degree heat. What Which they holds did, heat, yeah, right. Their <laughs> fatal mistake was they outsourced all that stuff. That's supposed to stuff is supposed to be under your purview, right? Because it comes right. with crowd safety. They outsourced sourced the security and the food vending. They sold the rights to an outside agency that was like decided they were going to jack everybody on the prices so it was just negligence it was pure negligence and here's the thing they knew it they knew from friday night they were open to huge lawsuits because everybody knew has there been a lot of were there a lot of lawsuits in the aftermath of it i don't know here's an i don't know to answer there should have been i'll tell you the story though the most interesting thing is i went into the medical tent it was like saturday afternoon right and i had dehydration and they gave me like an iv and i was sitting on a gurney and as i was in there i saw 11 people come in that were flatlined they were working Mm -hmm. on people's chest they got all stomped in the mosh pits And the doctor goes, get up and just stand over there and put the IV on your shoulder. I need the gurney. Hmm. And I go, dude, this is like ER. And he goes, no, man, this is like MASH. He was like, this is a war zone. And what happened was they would take the the victims of this, like, you know, the the guys that died and bring them to a local hospital. And then they would declare them dead in the local hospital so it wouldn't blow back on the promoters that somebody died on site. It was that sketchy. I mean, it was literally, it was like a living hell getting out of there that Sunday night. I mean, it was like people were marauding. And I'm glad you watched it because it's a metaphor for what can happen now. Right. Mob mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. That same rage. Well, as I and, just and, said and is it's funny you say that because I was watching one of the episodes with our friend Dan. He was staying here with me last week. And I said, you know, I actually said what you just said. I said, see those kids. They're now voting Republican. That that is. And, and I know those were white college kids. There weren't very many kids of color at those concerts. No, um, but that rage, that kind of mob you know, sort of going along with the, the culture. It was pretty scary. And uh it, and I said to Fred, I said, Dan, like Fred and I played all that music, but we weren't really, we were already, you know, dads. And th- I was 39 when that went on. Yeah, but, but, but I was never one for rock concerts. Yeah, like, I, know. I never, my buddies would go to these field concerts and stuff yeah. like that. The police picnic that CFNY held. I was never, ever interested in those because I just, for that reason, too many people. Too and, many people. And not enough yeah, outlets. Uh, I was. Yeah. I'm the same as Fred. Like when that one of the s- most horrifying scenes for me was those mm-hmm. people, uh, Noel, as you described, trying to get out of the place, yeah. and not being yeah. able to, and not, and then tr- not getting water and not getting sanitation, like just minimum shit. Howard, uh, you know, uh, and 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 screwing them once they were, you know, they couldn't take anything in at all. And had to buy the food and the water, yeah. and the prices were jacked up. Do you remember years ago, we did, uh, see I did a concert at uh, Old Fort York, and nobody could yeah. take anything in, and they didn't have enough concessions, 
And the whole time we're there, all we're hearing from our listeners is how fucked this is and we're screwing them over. Remember that? Yeah, they had and that was only a few thousand a people. So you bring these people in to have a good time. Now you've pissed them off. And then remember, there was the VIP area where we got to sit. I had people coming by knowing who I was pissed off at me because I was in the VIP and they had to line up for two hours to get a hamburger. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that'll piss it. From that, anything can happen. Yeah. Which is what you saw in the documentaries. Mm -hmm. Those kids, you know, Mm -hmm. you put them, they're hot, they're dehydrated, they're stoned, they're fucking Mm -hmm. dirty, they're covered in shit. Of course they've raged out. Yeah. Um, That's how it went down. And can I tell you just a funny story? Please tell us a funny story, because we're going to have to let you go. I know, we're getting out of here. But the one one bright light was Jewel played a fantastic set on Sunday, trying to calm everybody Mm -hmm. down. You know, it was like the one nice thing I remember. And a couple weeks later, I knew Sarah McLaughlin McLaughlin a little bit. You know, the great Canadian Mm -hmm. singer. I'm probably getting her name wrong. No, McLaughlin is fine. McLaughlin. I did a bunch of shows with her, and I was doing a (laughs) Sheryl Crow and Friends show with her in Central Park. She was on. And I ended up at the after party where they're at the Four Seasons, and I look across the room, and there's Jewel. You know, I have a mm-hmm. huge crush yeah, on yeah. her. Right? Yeah, yeah, So I'm like, hey. Hey, Sarah, can you introduce me to Jewel? And she goes, yeah, man, I'll hook you up. And she brings me over to Jewel. And she's like, hey, Jewel, this is my friend Noel. And I go, hey, Jewel, I really loved your set at Woodstock 99. And she looked at me like I was one of those frats. <laughs> yeah. She was just like, oh, dude, like, yeah. how could anybody love anything? It was like the worst thing to open with. So that's why me and Jewel aren't together. That's funny. <laughs> Freddie and I hosted. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, you said tragically hip plate. They actually played in the morning, didn't they? Yeah. Which I thought was odd because obviously given the lineup and who they were in 99, they would have been pushed down. But just seems odd. Those kids all showed up for like an 11 a.m. hip show. Well, they were already. Yeah. But that I was going to say, Fred and I and correct me when I it was probably early 90s. Fred and I were emceeing Sarah McLaughlin, I think, at Massey Hall. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yes. And, and then we. uh yeah, and all, what? Well, we were commenting on her, our armpits. Yeah, mm. that's the kind, this is what I remember from our career. Nice. <laughs> I love her too. <laughs> no, Boy, exactly. Oh, she is. She's yeah. got the voice of an angel. She does I have the voice of an angel. But at that time, an she was oh. not. Uh, you know, her armpits were a bit uh, European, and we just were. Oh, we wow. came back. We went on the air the next day and went. Oh, it was a great concert, but her armpits were hairy. Hey, Noel, one more question, because I, again, I was down with COVID, watched a lot of stuff, including oh, the Shania Twain documentary. Did you ever work with or around her? Oh, yes. And I love me some Shania Twain. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I got a picture with her, dude, at the Woods, at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 25th anniversary concerts at Madison yeah. Square Garden, man. I love Shania Twain. And I worked... Uh, the guy who's in charge of Springsteen's touring operation was a Shania Twain guy and stuff. Nice. George, George Travis, a famous guy in the business who I'm close with. I you love know, Shania. You know, music documentaries are great. You don't necessarily have to love the music to enjoy the documentary because the story is often so interesting. And that one is as well. You know, it's another, make Canadians proud. Yeah, and another good one that, um, whose music I don't really dig, but I, I, wanted, I was interested in it was the... Uh, Jennifer Lopez doc mm-hmm. about her playing the uh, the Super Bowl. I watched about half of it. I found it fascinating. I did that. I mean, that did, was one of my. Was that one of your shows? Oh yeah, absolutely. I worked with J Lo from the beginning. I could do it. What is she like stories. in person? Because she seems just just as I just I like her. 
Okay, yeah, you know, she's cool, hardworking. It's, it's, you know, she's got a big entourage. Yeah, Benny I bet. Medina is her manager, so it's like working with Madonna. You better be on your toes. The thing about her is she rehearses a ton, right? So if you're on a J-Lo gig and you think your call time is 10 o'clock, be ready to go at 8 a.m. Because you're going to get a call that she wants to come in and early. You know, come in early. Well, good for, I mean, being hardworking isn't a bad thing. No problem at all. That's uh, what listen, I'm man. Uh, Noel Kassler at Noel I don't have it in front of me what is your Twitter handle again it's at Kassler Noel on Twitter right. Noel Kassler, Kassler Noel. Comedy and the uh, the car rants I love those the podcast is called What's your... Noel Kassler podcast Noel Very there original, you go huh? All I'm right. gonna tape it now after we <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, I'm gonna talk man. about Woodstock 99 yeah, yeah dude like I, I want when next time you're back we're gonna talk more I love that we can at least co- balance it with music and uh, politics because it really exactly. is a it's a, a, a great to have someone like you who, uh, you know, can give us so many references. Uh, listen, man, stay strong, America. You know, we are, we're, we're hoping, we're, I don't know, we're hoping things work we'll out. We'll make it. We got Gord Downey's music. We exactly. Got we have to get us Right through. on. All right. Well, on, never leaves us, and, and next time, let's talk about Steely Dan, because we're also huge Steely Dan fans. And, and Don Fagan's my neighbor in the city. My old lady works with Don Fagan for herself. Fuck. I can tell really? you. Really? Come on. Yeah. Don and Libby, I've known, I'll tell you tons of stories. Well, that'll be next time. Because I'm right. I'm probably the bigger of the of the two of us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Steve no, I need Walter Becker, all that. I got Come on, crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, too dude. much. Oh yeah. Uh, Noel Caster, our gig sky good guest job. of the day. What Thanks, my friend. You're a good Thanks, boy, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of the summer. See Appreciate you. We'll see you, we'll see see you, you in a month. Take it easy. Bye. All right. Why didn't you want me to talk about Sarah McLaughlin's hairy armpits? I'm just kidding. Okay. Because the thing is, it's 2022 and you can't do that. You can't. You're not supposed to, you know, talk about people's physical shortcomings. It wasn't a shortcoming. It was an observation of somebody whose armpits were hairy the night we met her. It's not a big deal. People have hairy armpits. I do. It's a bit of an order. I wasn't going to mention I just wanted to mention that we did a show with her That was our takeaway Their armpits were hairy (laughs) And then of course that was before she became Sarah McLachlan the superstar You know that's our thing We know people before they're superstars Uh, Need a hotel Huh? I'll tell you who's a superstar Who is that? Tim Nimbley Well may I talk about the Gig Sky guest of the day first? Oh okay yes yes And and I don't I don't know that I have anything to say about Tim Niblett's armpits. <laughs> I know he's an angel, though. Um, if you're thinking about uh, renting a car or uh, looking for things to do while you're traveling, think about Gig Sky Travel Rewards and get up to 50% back on over 850,000 hotels globally. I mean, come on already. Uh, reduced rates for rental cars, and you can book your theme park adventures as well. I mean, it's all there. At visit uh, Gig Sky at gigsky.com slash travel rewards. Download the app today. Download the GigSky app at GigSky.com and enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan and get peace of mind when you travel. All of it's there for you. Uh, 100% data plan uh, at home or und- abroad. Or can you even say abroad? No, Gigs- I don't think so. <laughs> GigSky.com and uh, the promo code HF2022. Frederick? Uh, yeah, Tim Niblett. Yeah, he's a superstar. He's a, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. 
Uh, you know, the markets have rebounded pretty good lately, just as, you know, Tim had said. You know, everybody's got to relax. There's going to be downs. There's going to be ups, and things seem to be upping again. So, listen, if you have a portfolio, you want somebody to have a second look at it, just, you know, peace of mind, where you're at with it. Are you on the right track? You want another set of eyes? He's the guy. No obligation. Uh, seriously, he'll have a look, assess it, and if he thinks you're on the right track, he'll tell you the truth and be on his way, because he's that way. He's the retirement Sherpa, licensed on both sides of the border. He has been instrumental in the investments of several Humble and Fred listeners. Yes, he has. He's the retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Mm, speaking of blowing at high dough. <laughs> uh... For, uh, I stopped drinking uh, six years and seven months or so ago. And uh, for six years and seven months, I've been waiting for this event to happen, and it finally did. What? I got pulled over in a ride program. Oh, did you really? I was so excited. Honestly. Where was, and when? Uh, I'd rather not say where. Why? Uh, because it has to do with a golf company. Um, and uh, I was coming out of a golf tournament. Okay. And uh, like it was not at nighttime, so it was sort of late afternoon. And Ooh. yeah, so they yeah. thinking, oh, guys, there, yeah, 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 of yeah. course, I get it. Which yeah. is why I don't want to get into where it was. Yeah. It, it happened like at four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, as soon as I saw the cop, I was like, oh, this is cool. In fact, mm-hmm. I was speaking with our friend Dan Deru, mm-hmm. and what did I say, Dan? <laughs> So I gotta go. The police are. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Police have pulled me over. I said I've gotta go. My it was like, oh no! I know this is uh, gonna you know kill his day off after yeah. fun day great. of golf. And then he called me back and told me all about this story. <laughs> I was so excited. He was very happy and excited. The first time I ever you know seen him be this way, being pulled over by a police officer. Yeah. It's fantastic. So the guy uh, pulls me over and I said, this is very exciting. He's like, why is that, sir? I said, because, you know, I don't drink and I've never been pulled over in the in the six and a half years since I stopped drinking. So he gets out the, and you don't even have to get out of the car. And he didn't ask for anything other than my, he said, does the car belong to you? I said, yes. And he asked for my license. And uh, then he hands me this device. Looks, you know, it's probably the size of a phone with a uh, plastic tube sticking out of it. And I, I got so excited that I blew too hard. I was like, <laughs> and I wrecked the first one. <laughs> I over blew. Go ahead, do your funny little jokes. Um, <laughs> I didn't suck. I blew. Uh, and then he had to get another plastic tubey thing. And this time I was a bit more calm. And uh, of course I blew nothing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I blew Sir, nothing. Yes. Yes. There's no alcohol in the, in your system, but you do have monkey pox. <laughs> That's right. I did tell him, I said, no, don't drink, but I do like to smoke the odd bit of weed officer, which is a weird thing to say to a policeman. It's cause it's legal. That's why I said to him, I said, I don't drink, but I said, I smoke weed like they just invented it, which is my bit, you know, my joke. And he laughed at that. Um, and then I uh, texted uh, some of my friends, that were still at that uh, golf event. And I said, FYI, uh, you know, just be aware. You know, you might want to just have an awareness. And uh, I I actually, the other thing I said to him, I said, you know, if this was six and a half years ago and I would have seen you, because I saw them a few, you know, I saw them a few seconds before he pulled me over. I said, if I had this, I said, if this had been seven years ago, I would have been backing up that hill. 
you know. But it is quite liberating when you're... What's that? What you should have done anyway, not get into a car when you're in that condition. Well, of course not, yeah. Yeah. You don't want it. You don't want one of those, man. No, sir. Drinking and driving nowadays. (laughs) I will say this, and I don't want to... This isn't about that day, but it's about some of the days I've spent this summer. I am fascinated as an ex-drinker by how much some of my peer group will actually drink during a round of golf. Now, I don't know what happens to them after and, you know, whether your metabolism over four and a half hours can handle 10 fucking beer. But I've been in two different tournaments this year, the fun tournaments, not the serious ones, where one in particular, where one of the guys I was playing against, this is about three Sundays ago, and I wasn't really even noticing, but my partner said at one point, you know, he said, that guy is open to beer on almost every hole. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, really? Like, he would have had over 10 beers that afternoon. Oh, like, to your point, Dan, you shouldn't get into a car, but I'm still fascinated by how we are in the year of our Lord 2022 that people are still doing that, you know? Well, good on the police for uh, setting up a ride. You know, you don't expect it this time of year, but now certainly people are going to be aware and think about it. Well, you know, maybe you know they they do do that, and if you know, if you're just your own common sense doesn't keep you out of the car, at least you know I there's think, the possibility. I think guys get on a golf course and they think the it, 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 there's something different. Oh, I'm just playing mm-hmm. golf, so it's not like sitting in a bar drinking a bunch of beers. I'm a, I don't know what that is. Um, I don't. I just don't know what that is. And, and and again, I'd be in the same way if I was drinking those beers on the golf course, which I don't like doing anyway for other reasons. I just don't feel good when I do that. I'd be thinking, yeah, I got to drive home because even after, if you have a beer and then decide, yeah, I'll have a second one, that's a big decision, right? I'm well, gonna have the second beer. I and asked then, my friend Dave the other night, who's an ex-cop. I said because I was telling him the story about being pulled over, mm-hmm. and I said the same thing. I said. The people I was playing with that day weren't drinking very... I didn't drink at all in the golf course. It was a pretty serious, semi-serious tournament. And um, But after, I said, a couple, they had a couple of beers. And I said, if you're a guy my size, does that second beer put you close to over? And, you know, he sort of explained, depends on how you metabolize it, but... <laughs> but to, that was, that was I brought up. Like, what, what if... Because lots of times, the guys will have a second beer. Mm-hmm. Does that second beer impair you? No, but you're closer to point zero weight at that point. Right, and it all depends on the beer too. Like if you can choose something with three percent rather than five or six percent, like you know, on and on. You just have to be aware. That's all. You really do. Anyway, it was very exciting. I've been pulled over. Ah, do your worst, I say. Um, well, Dan, listen, we've got our uh, we've got another guest uh, standing by. Stand by. Oh no, they've gone. No. Nope. They're going to come back at 9.05. Mm-hmm. So then let's get right to the uh, Dandaran news. Uh, Baba And you've got, uh, you're all done, right there, Frederick? No. Chamber. Oh, you've got Chamber. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I know you've uh, been speaking about the Sherpa, but don't forget. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. 
Uh, we'll get to uh, Dan Duran's uh, news, but first, this message from the Chamber yes. Plan. The Chambers of Commerce Group and Pl- uh, Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You can get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Uh, the badge is there. Click on it. Put in your uh, company's parameters. You'll get an idea of what it will cost you to secure. Uh, your company and I, security is what it's all about. People that have uh, benefit plans that uh, work, hey, it's proved. We've talked to Brett Tanner about it. Uh, you know, they have a better attitude. They feel better about their company. Why wouldn't they? And the Chambers plan is the way to go. I mean, top to bottom, fantastic. Whether it's prescriptions, dental plans, travel insurance, uh, therapies, they have an HR component, depending on the level that you buy in. But here's the deal it doesn't matter where your company's at, there is a plan for you. And and it's the best thing you can do for your employees. Got it? Chamberplan.ca. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Hello. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care. His voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now, live from Lakeside, it's a beautiful day on the water, it seems. Very placid and calm, which juxtaposed the anger and and, uh, commentary that's about to come out of Dan Duran's (laughs) outraged face. Now hey, here's Dan Duran. Okay, if you need a yacht to go with your Yacht Rock playlist, a super yacht that was seized by uh, authorities from a Russian oligarch is going up for auction, the first of its kind. Formerly owned by sanctioned Russian businessman Dmitry Pumpiansky. It'll be uh, sold at auction tomorrow after the billionaire failed to pay J.P. Morgan Chase uh, a loan that they had for 20.5 million euros which was tied to the ship. The ship is valued at 63 million pounds, by the way, but it is expected to uh, sell below that price. And the name of the boat, just in case you're, you know, paging through the uh, the auction uh, manual there, it's Axioma. The yacht Axioma. Axioma. Um, uh, they're coming out with a, a vaccine for that, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, axioma. Yeah, so, axioma. Yeah. It is fascinating how much money some people have and how they live. I mean, I, I'm yeah. not. I don't even say that out of jealousy. I just find some. I was watching something recently. I'm like, wow, you know, that person's got all that mm. land, and they have a beautiful place to live and they have millions of dollars like, what is that all about and you still get more and more like look at derringer to shut his mouth he probably got another couple extra million right mm-hmm. i don't know about that i've had some people send me you know we saw actually you, you saw that note from our former uh, one of the guys we worked with he said he doesn't think that he got that kind of money no no i know no he did but he got something yeah he got something derringer got something because that would have been the deal Okay, John, we'll give you this money. Or he went to them, the company, and said, hey, listen, you're not going to hang me out to dry when you guys were part of this as well. So if you want me to say nothing, yeah. here's what it's going to cost. Bullshit. That's the way business works, eh? Is it? I wish you would have told me this years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. Maybe like we... Blackmail. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I can get through most days without thinking about how much money that fucker got. Mm. versus what we got 
And, uh, you know, I can make it through most days without thinking about that. And uh, I go to bed fine. So thanks for that. Appreciate. Appreciate. Um, anyway, Daniel, do you have another uh, story? Because uh, yeah, you know, we're standing by. We have another gentleman here in just a second. Uh, now with another uh, fine bit of uh, reporting, uh, let's go once again to the anchor desk for Dan Duran. And by the way, uh, should we save the anchor story till tomorrow? The anchor story. Uh, Freddie, our friend Lisa. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. We should probably, because we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, we got a whole week now to unpack some things. And uh, I know you'll have something to say about right. Lisa LaFlamme's uh, exit strategy. Dan, what's your second story before we get to our geist? All right. Well, the Queen of, of Canada, yeah. uh, who's a QAnon person, uh, came to Peterborough uh, while we were away. Mm-hmm. And the mayor in Peterborough, uh, my mayor, called them fuckwads. So you may have heard this story, but basically it's it's uh, just it's bonkers. This woman named Romana Dudulo, uh, I believe. Romana Dildo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she claims she's the commander in chief and queen of the kingdom of Canada. Is she? And she's on a cross Canada tour. She started out in Victoria where she uh, she is from and she's in her motor home and she dropped by Peterborough on August 13. Uh, she had called for violence against anyone who allows for the vaccination vaccination of children and encouraged her forces to shoot to kill health care workers and that rhetoric led the RCMP to searching her Victoria address last year uh, and then this year uh, on this tour in uh, on August 10th post she uh, posted tw- uh, which was viewed like 12,000 times she ordered her forces to the Ontario rally and said uh, officers should be uh, handed over to the military so they 30 protesters gathered at the police station some of them tried to arrest arriving and departing police officers at the well, how'd that uh, go the for them to, well <laughs> not well no uh, police officers arrested three protesters uh, with charges including assaulting a peace officer with a weapon and assaulting police okay just i have a question for you too forget queen dildo for a second because she's right. obviously uh at a different level mm-hmm. even those 30 people that showed up in peterborough what did they tell their friends and family they were about to go do? Hey, I'll be back later this afternoon. I'm following Queen Dildo's orders to go mm-hmm. arrest to go arrest some policemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that, Howard. I'm at a loss. I've been shocked, though, actually driving into Peterborough a few times this summer, seeing the trucks with the Canadian flags and freedom on the side. I don't yeah. know why this area in particular... But it's a little disturbing. I've seen a few, uh, you know, typical trucks on the 401 with the yeah. fuck Trudeau The American copycat yeah. shit. But Queen Dildo, I'm sure she'll be a featured guest, a legitimate featured guest on the Richard Surratt show yeah. this week. You know, speaking by the of, way, our mayor, mayor mm-hmm. uh, did then make uh, headlines with her tweet that uh, said, People have been asking me to comment on the events of the past weekend in Peterborough. I hate giving airtime spotlight to these imbeciles. Here's my comment. Fuck off, you fuckwads. Love that, Mayor. Fantastic. Isn't that great? That's great. <laughs> However, she's not running for office again, so that's sort of where that came from. Yeah. But who cares? It exactly. Was, was I, I'd love to have her on the show. Dan knows the woman. We're Dan? On it. Mm, of course yeah. she does. If, uh-huh. if you are the mayor of Peterborough, how do you not know Dan DeRue? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I just haven't uh, managed to connect with her yet. All right. Hey, one, yeah. one other note on that. That guy, that that other whack job in Peterborough owned Peter Burgers. He was, yep. the, you know, anti-masker, anti-vaxxer. Just, he's out of business now, which was nice to see. Yeah. So that's, that's where it got him. All right, Dan, uh, listen, uh, if you want to hang around while we speak to our friend Michael Clausen of... Uh, 1111, the 1111 team. There he is, Michael. Thanks for, uh, well, hey, Michael. you, you, Michael's back. Is this, is Dan, you can stand by. I mean, you know. I'll be standing by. Standing by. That's the kind of thing I do. I stand by. It's great to talk to Michael again. Hey, Michael, what's going on? How's it going? It's going great. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you're on today. Because uh, okay. I'll tell you why. Because uh, I, Dan and I were talking about, we, I, we took, uh, Dan was in town uh, doing some work last week, so he stayed with me. And we went for a walk with my dog around this little neighborhood I live in. And yeah. uh, we were having the typical Toronto conversation about real estate, which we do. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about the market, because I know you're based in the Niagara region, but you have a sense of the, the market in general, because... In the spring, it seemed like the bottom had fallen out of things. Where where do things stand now, and are, have we kind of reached a a level of neutrality, or is it or is it rising again? And and of course, he froze just as we asked that question. He froze, Mike. We spoke. I think the last time we talked was. Yeah, your 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 connection is getting. We didn't hear anything you just said. Oh, sorry, guys. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. If you heard the question, re-answer from the beginning. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it definitely feels like we've turned a curve here since the last time we spoke, which would have been early July when things were pretty doom and gloomy. Um, as far as resale is concerned, we've definitely seen an uptick in uh, sales. We're actually experiencing multiple offers still, believe it or not. Really? In certain areas, yeah. Yeah, like, not to correct you on your own show, but we're not just based in Niagara. We're actually in Toronto. Oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, I, if you should correct me since, you know, we're, we're doing yeah, no business problem. together. <laughs> but, but I, I, yeah, because initially we talked to you was about some of the stuff going on in Niagara. But, yeah, I, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you're, uh, you get, by no the way, worries. if you want to go and check out the uh, Team 1111, but it's, it's 1111, the number, 1111realty.ca. Please continue, Michael, and correct me anytime you feel like you need to. <laughs> Okay, no problem. So, yeah, I mean, in certain areas, like condos in the core in Toronto are doing quite well for sales. I mean, as far as being in the right building in the right location, we're seeing multiple offers, believe it or not, in Milton for wow. detached homes. Not as many, you know, before you might have had like 15 or 20. It was ridiculous. Now you're getting three or four. But, you know, that's still a multiple offer situation. Uh, the market, you know, inflation came in a little bit better in July, 7.6 instead of 8.1% in June. So I think people are starting to see uh, that there is um, potential for the market to sort of even out here. Mm -hmm. We'll know September 6th when the Bank of Canada comes out with their next announcement. The general consensus seems to be maybe 0.75 mm. um, basis points. I know that's significant. Pretty, uh, pretty well agreed that it'd be a point. So it sounds like maybe we'll get under a point, which would be very nice. 
generally speaking, I think the, the Bank of Canada is saying by the end of 2023, they are expecting inflation to be back down around 3%. So, you know, we're definitely, we're seeing good signs right now. Uh, I think personally that the fall is going to be a good market. Uh, certainly by the spring, I expect that we'll be back where uh, where we're and uh, price. We haven't we haven't seen like a massive drop in prices personally. Okay, we've seen a softening. We've seen an evening out of pricing, um, and certainly the same can be said for the pace of sales. But uh, it does seem like things are are slowly getting better. Um, uh, what else? What what, uh, what 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 would you say to someone? who's in the market, you know, they're in the market in Toronto or thinking of selling or they want to buy into the Toronto market. What would you say to them about maybe thinking a little outside the box, the, uh, you know, the boundaries and maybe looking outside Toronto? I mean, we're big proponents of that. Of course, we, we, we are a, uh, a sales company for builders. So Mm -hmm. sales and marketing for builders. So yes, we do sell a lot of homes in the Niagara region as well as Kitchener Waterloo. Um, and, um, you know, there's always opportunities in those areas right now is a great time to buy, uh, especially for investors. Builders are offering all sorts of incentives that weren't there six months mm. ago. Okay. So there are some really great opportunities out there right now, and they're not going to last. Like I said, I think by the spring, we're going to see things start to come back up again. And builders will slowly take those incentives off the uh, off the table. So now is an amazing time. Well, and, and that's what market. you're again when I when I talk about you and Niagara, you do have uh, uh, yeah. uh, you're very deep in the Niagara area. And one of the things in the notes here that I find fascinating is the price of a one bedroom condo in downtown Toronto. You can buy a three-bedroom detached home in Niagara, but and as you just said, Freddie, like you start thinking outside of the you know the the core, and as you said, Michael, Niagara, KW, uh, Milton, you know it's it's sort of always been that way. If you really want more bang for your buck, you can think outside of the the core and and really get some more. You just have to it's a, you sort of have to adjust your lifestyle requirements. But there's lots of benefits, uh, beneficiaries, I should say, or benefits to being in the Niagara area. Absolutely. Right now, uh, we have a new site coming in Font Hill, Niagara, which is about ten minutes south of St. Catharines. That's Beautiful. Brought to you. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. Brought to you by Mountain View Building Group. That's called Saffron Estate. It's our third phase, and our townhouses are four bedrooms, seventeen hundred plus square feet, starting in the low eight hundred thousands, which is pretty much a one bedroom downtown Toronto these mm-hmm. days. So, well, yeah, right. there's a perfect example. Very good. Well, I'm glad yeah. to hear you say that. Dan and I are walking around the neighborhood. I live in this uh, area of Etobicoke, and there are these tiny. What do we call those down there? Like no, uh, war, wartime houses. Wartime houses. Yeah. Like. And so there's the original footprint of these small little homes. And then there are the people that have built on top of them, put on second stories, expanded them. But as I was saying to you, Dan, you know, um, Michael, these little houses, these tiny footprint houses, they're all one point something. 
You know, yes. you, you can't be this close to downtown Toronto and not be paying a one point something. Mm-hmm. And I just Absolutely. wonder, like, and I said, and here's my question. It's a, it's, it's a weird real estate question. If you're going to spend a million and a half dollars, wouldn't you want more than that tiny footprint? I would think you would, wouldn't you? I, I don't know. Well, I think it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, I would just say that's subjective. It's so much of its location, yeah. right? They, a lot of people don't use their yards as much as you would think. It's yeah, just where where is the house proximity to work and things I want to do. I would think, Michael. No, I agree with that. Uh, I think you've got you've got two minds there. Some people definitely want the space. They want the yard, and mm-hmm. agreed, a million and a half dollars. <laughs> is a decent, healthy budget, and you know you have every right to expect more for your money. And in that case, you should be looking. I'm sorry, you sort of cut out at the end of that. In that case, you should be looking. He's now completely frozen. Dollars, uh, and Mike. Much. Mike, oh, yeah, you just froze up again. You, we're gonna. You can said. You hear me? Well, we can hear you, but uh, yeah, sorry, there yeah. you are. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I mean, this is the first time this has happened. It happens from time oh, to time. So just finish off by saying for that amount of money, you should expect yeah. what? Well, you can, you know, you you have every right to expect more bang for your buck. And right. in that scenario, you should look outside of Toronto property. Okay. But you can never go wrong owning property in Toronto. And the reason you're paying a million and a half is because in five years from now, it's going to be worth two or two and a half. It just yeah. is, yeah. you know, and, and we all know the reasons for that. Yes. So my, that, that's where you're at. Michael, could you come look at my townhouse and see what it's worth and tell me if it's time to sell it or not? Eleven, uh, eleven. That's the number 11, followed by another number 11, realty.ca is where you find out more about 1111 real estate. Man, listen. Thanks for this again. I, I you know, I'm Thank sorry you, about the choppy internet, but it happens. Uh, yeah. We'll be, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you Thank once you. again, Michael Clausen, our real estate reporter. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I might give you a show and uh, just to get sure. your uh, assessment of, you know, the market conditions for our little uh, humble and Fred property here, because it would be interesting to see what you. Uh, what your Absolutely. thoughts are. All right, my I'd friend. I'd be happy to. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Okay, Mike. Good Bye. to see you. Michael Clausen right there. I like talking real estate with that guy. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, one of the things we never uh, mention about this uh, FBI raid is how quickly the Republican Party turned this thing around and by the way started fundraising on it almost immediately and that's the part of, that, that's part of this whole you know I know we can end on how we started the QAnon world was all based on making money off poor dumb people kind of like that other institution we all know and love a religion no I know it's uh Although to tell you the truth, Howard, I'm 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 near at the end because if nothing comes from this, I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, really. Well, I'm going to have to do a separate podcast then. No, but just think about that. If nothing comes from this, yeah, you might as well, we just bang your head against the wall. Like if nothing comes from this, nothing's going to come from anything. And if if anything, he might benefit from it. Oh, he's already benefited from it with his base. Yeah. 
But uh, who knows? I mean. Yeah, man. It all seems so obvious. And, you know, Giuliani, it looks like he's going to get nailed. And then people under him have got nailed. And his finance guy is going to jail for five months. Everybody else goes to jail. Mm. And this guy walks away. But as Michael Cohen says, he does. He's brilliant that way. As he sets up everything, it's how he won't have stink on him. He won't touch anything. He organizes, but he doesn't touch anything. Yeah, well, that's we'll how see. he does it. Anyway, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it is at some point it is just going to be. Well, I don't know if we're going to get to that point because uh, it's like it, it. Back to that, Dan. Did you want? Uh, could you send? I guess you don't have. Uh, I was going to have you post the the link on the Facebook page, but I I'll, what I'll do is when the show's over, everyone, uh, if you go to our Facebook page, I will post the link to the podcast that we've been uh, talking about. Um, did you send this note to everyone? I listen to a lot of different podcasts, or did you send that just to me and Freddie? No, to all, all uh, yeah, you and you and Fred and Darren. Dan said during this whole pandemic, I've tr- I've struggled to understand normal people how normal people believe stupid shit, even more so when the QAnon people showed up in Peterborough to arrest the people. For fuck's sake, this is Dan's note. Anyway, the guy who wrote this book, uh, this interview has some interesting takes on the whole thing. So I'll put that up uh, in the Lincoln Project. You can put it and and have a listen to it. It's fascinating. So that's it then. You know, and again, you talk, and I, at the beginning of the show, I was talking about that Jamie Salel or Saleh or whatever fucking name is the figure skater. It's like, there's somebody that just has thrown away everything based on, you know, these conspiracy. The, some of the stuff that she retweets and reposts is like, you know, the the shadiest of, of, of sources, like just throw, stuff that's thrown out there and it fits her narrative. So she'll just repost it like, see, I told you mm-hmm. without really being concerned about where that's coming from, which makes you look even more ridiculous. And getting back to what Dan's question about how stupid can you be, it it it, it really is something to uh, how you get caught up in that and just roll with it and think it's going to turn out any other way but make you look foolish. Well, and you said something about Theon Fleury or Theo Fleury. Theon? Yeah. Theo Fleury. Uh, you know, he had a, yeah, he had a tough there. life and, and, yeah, and some terrible things happened to him, but I don't know what that has to do with where he's gone as a grown man endorsing and promoting cockamamie theories. And that's the one mm-hmm. thing is like, I, even when I listen to Jake Tapper on CNN or any of these people that I think are somewhat rational, I'm like, how come no one ever just comes out and goes, are you guys fucking serious? You yeah. really believe the election was stolen? Like he had somebody on his show. I was watching a clip of it this morning. Some guy with an eye patch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, fuck me. Anyway, isn't the word cockamamie? Isn't that that? Is that old? Yes, you, it you is. Still use cockamamie? No, no one's no one's used it in twenty seven years. <laughs> I guarantee you, no one else on the planet just said cockamamie at the same time. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm old fashioned, Dan. Yeah, my dad used to say cockamamie all the time. Cockamamie. Cockamamie. What was the other one I used to make fun of? Uh, he cocked one eye. Did he? How did he do that? Mm-hmm. If I could cock an eye, it certainly wouldn't bypass my own mouth. Uh, anyway. But it's just a frustrating world in which we live in right now. And you just, you know, all we've been through as a society over the past couple of years. Who thought that that would be a byproduct? 
You know, society did a pretty good job of pulling together and getting through COVID. And yeah. because the, the fringe we're talking about is pretty, I mean, it's, it's significant, but not, they just make a lot of noise compared to the rest of us. Uh, yeah. The problem is they're having an impact like that queen mm-hmm. dildo who drove across the country to arrest police right. in Peterborough is as, as cockamamie as that sounds. There are people. <laughs> There are people that will believe her and believe, yes. you know, like I said, I've started mm-hmm. seeing a lot of those fuck Trudeau stickers and, um, yeah, it's whether it's fringe or not back to this podcast that has become part of the theme of this podcast. Right. It's a lot, it's a lot deeper than you think. Anyhow. Yep. Boys, well, we should end it on a on a happy note. Yes, so Daniel, you guys just come up with something inspirational or or just a uh, old homie. I don't know. Talk about uh, canning jams or something. Well, isn't it isn't it canning season now? Here's what I'd say, Dan. In my experience <laughs> of being on this planet for 107 years, that I would say that for the most part, people you meet just want the best for one another. It's just yes. the odd one that are giant fuckheads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how's hey. that? Or we end on this. A couple of things I have written down, Howard, and I want to remember. Um, a golf story. Patrick Reed suing whoever the PGA the PGA Tour over seven hundred because people million. made fun of him. Yes, which is interesting because I read the story and I felt bad for the kid. Honestly, yeah. Well, but he brought anyway. it on himself. Huh? He brought it on himself. Is what okay, he did. we can He's, talk about that. Yeah, we can sure, do that we tomorrow. We to talk about that. And I found out this week. You know, no longer. I, I knew we didn't have to pay for license plate stickers anymore, but, you know, stickers don't even exist anymore. But how because come I got, re- a, I got a thing from them saying renew your... Uh- yeah, you renew your plate, but stickers are no longer part of the equation. You can either leave the old one on or rip them all off. So what do I do? I just go get a new plate? No. You go online and you renew your license plate. That way they know you're up to date with your insurance and you've paid all your fines. You've got to do that every year or two years. Okay. But it does not involve a sticker, which I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. I don't have to worry about a sticker anymore. But I'm waiting I, for mine to come in the mail, and it, 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 they're not coming. So I parked too close to my garage door yes. this winter a few times, and yes. it, it tore my front license plate up a bit, and everybody yes. makes fun of it. How do I get a new license plate? You go into Service Ontario and say, yeah. I need some new license plates, and there's, you pay money. There's one there at Queensway and Kipling. Oh, no, yeah, right over here. Actually, it's in the sketchy Sobeys uh, uh-huh. strip mall. Okay. Hey, and just one other story that I saw here, and I'm sorry, I don't like to be cynical and everything, but they made a big deal of this guy. He crossed all uh, five Great Lakes on a paddleboard. I'm, I, that really doesn't impress me. Like, he did. Like it was yeah. a big thing, like some... You know, get off the board and swim across yeah. the lakes. I might be like, but seriously. Like I saw that story and I thought, how did you not get so fucking bored after 12 minutes and want to just be like, exactly. okay, I'm done now. And it's like big news of the story. Five crosses all five great lakes on a paddleboard. Well, there's a lot of guys that give their left nut to do that, but they can't. They don't have the time to do it. Anyway, and You see the other story where some guy took his kids on a uh, tube ride across all five great lakes. That's <laughs> yeah, super. Exactly. <laughs> That's good for you. The kids are like, I want to get off, Daddy. We're doing this for charity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. I do man. know. Uh, tomorrow I will talk about uh, uh, something I'm thinking of doing. It's called the uh, Humble Howard Tour of uh, the Sketchway. And uh, 
we'll be going through all the <laughs> I did this bit for Dan I said uh, you know I live uh, I've thought about where I live I live next to so next in the next block over it goes weed store pizza place jerk chicken porn shop rub and tug <laughs> say to Dan what is the proper order to visit those places I mean <laughs> so it's weed store pizza jerk chicken porn shop rub and tug and I said, no matter how you think about that, the best the best way is always start with the weed store. You can't start yeah, at the rub and tug, and you can't start at the rub and tug and then go to the porn shop because what's the point? Well, yeah, but do, would you want a tug on a full belly? Well, that's what I mean. You, you don't go pizza want. then rub and tug. So uh, here's my I figure it's like this: weed store, porn shop, okay. rub and tug, then your yes. choice of jerk. Or pizza, yes. but continuing the theme, I think the jerk chicken goes best with the rub and tug experience. Yeah. Tug and jerk, tug <laughs> and jerk. <laughs> That's right. So is this going to be a special report within the show where we do actualities, and you're going to go out there and you come? No, back I was going to I was going to offer people a uh, humble Howard tour of the uh, of the. Uh, oh, so we'll take you on tour, like, like a ghost walk. <laughs> kind of like the- that's right. Well, everyone will we'll meet. We'll gather at the joints with uh, at the growers retail. <laughs> Anyway, that's just a part of the comedic stylings. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Noel and Michael Klassen. Uh, tomorrow, uh, a person uh, coming back to our show that we haven't had on for some time. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not tomorrow. That's the next day. Tomorrow's Jeff Lumby, regular. Wednesday, Drew Marshall returns to our program. I'm looking forward to it. Dan. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. Email us at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Like and subscribe. We would really appreciate that. It helps us grow. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and as my mayor says, fuck off, you fuck one. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. 